welcome to Tiny Voice Talks with me, Toria Bono. And today, oh my goodness, so exciting, like properly, 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 properly exciting. We are talking about Naylor's Natter. Yeah, Naylor's Natter, not just the podcast, but the book. And I am joined by the one and only Phil Naylor. So welcome, Phil. Thank you, Toria. Great to be here. Finally, thank you so much for asking me to be on. Really appreciate it. I, I'm just so excited that, you know, the man that's run the Nailers Natter podcast has actually come and talking to the Tiny Voice Talks podcast. So for anyone that doesn't know you, Phil, who is Phil Naylor? Well, before we get into that, let's just say we've been talking uh, off air, haven't we, about what a big fan I am. So I'm... <laughs> yeah, been... you did. I was like, oh my God, you actually listened to this. Wow. I absolutely do. I'm, uh, I've got the theme <laughs> tune kind of going around in my head and... Uh, I'm really nervous today because obviously, you know, as someone who listens to this quite a lot on my morning uh, trots around the block, to be on the other side of the microphone with Toria, this is uh, quite nerve wracking. So be gentle with me, Toria, won't you? I shall, I shall. I'm just, I'm so excited. And I say, you just made my day when I heard that you actually listened to it because I don't know about you, but you never know who actually listens to the podcasts. You know, you hope to goodness someone's listening out there, but I'm never quite sure. So when I actually meet or speak to someone that's listened, I'm always like, oh my goodness, yes. Oh yes, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. You know, when you see those, and not that we're obsessed or anything at looking at figures, but when you see them go up and you just think, <laughs> there are people out in the world at this point in their day who have given me some hours of or minutes of their life. I just yeah. think that's fantastic. Oh, really it do. truly is. Yay for the listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to my first question, who is <laughs> Phil Naylor? Right. Well, currently, uh, if we're going to talk about who is Phil Naylor education-wise, so I'm deputy head teacher at South Shore Academy in Blackpool. Um, I, I've been lots of other things, Toria, which people who listen to the podcast will know. So I have been um, a football coach turned science teacher, turned second in science, head of department, head of year, um, assistant head teacher for a long time. Finally made a leap to deputy head teacher. Um, and now I'm also back in a little bit of football as well, which we'll maybe talk about later on. Plus, Ooh. I'm also, uh, as you said, yeah, a podcaster by accident. And I do stress by accident <laughs> I was a podcaster, but we may get into that story. I go out doing bits of speaking, little, little bits of writing. But, you know, the thing we're hopefully going to talk about today is that finally, um, after about two years of trying, the Nailers Natter book should be coming out fairly soon. So I could hesitantly, I could kind of say uh, that I'm going to be an author as well. So exciting. So tell me, I, uh, first of all, we need to find out why Naylor's Natter was an accident. Because everyone, I think everyone assumes that people that start podcasting do so with a grand plan of, yes, I'm going to be a podcaster and it's all going to occur and this is what's going to happen. But Naylor's Natter was, an, uh, was actually done by accident, was it? It was indeed. Well, first of all, I was never going to do uh, videos or YouTubes, although we have done a couple because, mm. um, you know, I've got a face for radio. So uh, I thought that a podcast is probably <laughs> kind of the, the, the better of the options. So the, the story goes that I was the uh, loftily titled assistant director of the Blackpool Research School, which was a, a, a title that we made up, Tori. It was a title that we saw on Alex Quigley's door. Uh, I'm visiting his school in Huntington and just thought, we'll have that. And we needed to kind of... Um, promote our work to get the research mm. and evidence-based movement going out there and we needed to sell some tickets for our inaugural research at Blackpool conference so we thought right well we've tried the, the normal ways we've tried promoting it on Twitter we've tried putting it out on Facebook we've even you know tried to pay for advertising because we were quite a small you know research school in a newly formed um, 
kind of field. So we thought, well, we need to promote this a little bit. So I thought, well, we'll you know, podcasts seem to be something that's going on. And we were big fans at the time of, of Craig Barton. So myself and Simon Cox were huge fans of Craig Barton's podcast and listened to that quite a lot in the office or when we we're out doing other things, you know, road trips to conferences, etc. So we thought we'll have a go at it. So we suggested that we do perhaps the Blackpool Research School podcast and invite people on who were going to go to the conference and be speakers. Um, but in a famous conversation with Simon and Stephen Tierney, uh, who was the CEO um, of, of the school at the time, they said, well, Phil, what if it's not very good? We don't really want it to be associated <laughs> with uh, the Blackpool Research School because it might damage the school and it might damage the brand. And I thought, well, you know, I'm unlikely to to damage the, the school's reputation because I'm, I'm thinking I'll be at least professional, but I don't have any kind of brand myself for anyone to care. So if it sinks like a stone or nobody listens to it, it's no real problem for me. So I thought, right, well, I'll have a go at it. Um, <laughs> we, we, we stumbled across the uh, the name Nailers Natter, and you'll notice that it's Nailers Natter, although it is universally referred to as Nailers Natter's because it was only ever intended to be one episode. That's the reason. So it's got, and it's kind of stuck oh. onto 152 uh, episodes later, and it's still just a singular natter. So yeah, it was a bit of an accident really, but it's an accident that keeps occurring. And as you say, 152 episodes later, you know, it has gone from strength to strength. It's been listened to by many, many, many people. And that's actually what's inspired your book. Because your book, you know, and I, I'm very grateful that I've been allowed to have a little sneak peek at one of the chapters, but your book is all about capturing parts of those conversations within a bigger picture of, you know, overarching topics that you cover. So how did that all come about? Well, yeah, I mean, you said at the beginning about, you know, that, that we're quite similar, that people in school might say to us that, oh, you, you're really up to date with, with education. You know, you mentioned a story to me off air about, you know, your your teaching assistant talking about how well you're informed about various different <laughs> developments. And that was the problem, Tori, when I started off. I absolutely was not well informed about mm. what kind of things were going on in education. You know, I'd been, as I said before, assistant head for 10 years in various different roles and you know, looking for a new challenge. And, and Stephen was great with that sort of thing as a leader, at looking for different opportunities for people who perhaps become a little bit stayed in the position that they were doing. So, you know, I didn't know anything about academic research and evidence. And, you know, some would say I still don't, which is fine. Um, so I thought, well, I'll speak to people that do. And if this is good CPD for me, having conversations yeah. with, you know, with school leaders, mainly teachers, if I'm honest, because that's where the, the knowledge seems to be, you know, in the in the classroom, in the teachers who are doing it day in, day out. But obviously I spoke to a few more experts on things and it, it just got a bit of a role, Tori. And I can remember a time sort of really vividly when I got somebody like, I mean, it, you know, one of my favourites, which was Thomas Guskey, you know, dialing in from America to talk about the CPD um, standards, because obviously Guskey's written a pretty famous paper on that. Yeah. And I'm being beamed into his living room, you know, in California or something. I'll probably get that wrong. He's somewhere, somewhere like that. And, you know, there's me sat in, uh, you know, child two's bedroom with uh, an iPad trying to do an episode propped up against the phone recording into that. So I just thought, well, over this time, hopefully the listener has got a lot of benefit and a lot yeah. of knowledge from listening to these experts. And actually, you start to see themes developing, Tori, don't you? You start to see that people are talking about similar things. A really good example, but perhaps this is not the chapter that I've shared with you, is around behaviour. And I don't want to stray too much into the uh, field of behaviour just yet, although the book does. But there's so many similarities between what are often seen as opposing 
strategies and opposing methods and even opposing ideologies, mm. you can pull together some very, very similar strands. So I started to do that for a couple of talks I did last year at various conferences. I thought, well, this kind of works with pastoral or curriculum or to a certain extent, you know, some teaching and learning. There's lots of commonalities, but also there's lots of differences. And I've tried to pull together other people's experience and weave it through my disjointed 21 year journey through education and try and make something that's hopefully, you know, interesting to read Um, hopefully has a few little takeaways. And, you know, you can also interact with it, Tori, as well, because the editors at Bloomsbury, they're brilliant, absolutely brilliant. They've, they've come up, you know, having the QR codes at the end of episode, at the end of chapter, sorry, that signpost you directly back to the episode. So if we're talking about, you know, pastoral matters, which is a chapter we've, we've shared with you, we can then go back into and look at right episodes that are on that you know, all the talking points from that particular episode. So hopefully it's quite interactive. Hopefully people are going to be interested in it. And uh, yeah, hopefully if I ever get round to finishing, he says at time of recording, um, it should be out in July. That's genius though. I, I love I love the fact technology now takes everything that step further. It really does. But I, I did ask you off, off a, you know, about the length of time it took because when I read that chapter you know what you've got in the chapter is you've got your sort of you you, you start you, you write about you know your views and so on but then you actually pick out quotes from individual podcasts now you've done 152 of them so to get one quote from a podcast of 152 must have taken hours and hours of work it has, but I mean, it goes back to what we said before about, you know, this is professional development for me, for me and actually collecting my thoughts, particularly around the pastoral side of things, because, you know, at the time of speaking, I'm still involved in the sort of pastoral side. I know we're all involved in the pastoral side, but directly in terms of line managing that side of the school. And I thought, well, you know, again, revisiting these, these natters that you've had will kind of reinforce some of the things that we are doing or some of the things that we're thinking about doing it's actually quite beneficial to pull together sort of big ideas with leading voices and people that are actually doing it and it really does inform the sort of work that you're doing and that's that's what I want the book to do for other people to kind of you know you've got your own ideas and your own vision and your own kind of you know aspirations for where you want to do things but leaning on some experienced voices some new voices some other people might be quite useful so yes it did take a long time and it's still taking a long time and you know it's but it's it's a joy to do to listen back and I mean honestly it's like an out-of-body experience Tori I don't know about you how you feel you know listening back to episodes particularly episodes at the sort of this time in in 2020 when the world was you know experiencing very very obviously we still are but it was really interesting to dip back into a time and a place and a discussion. So it was a really, really useful process. But yes, it's taken a long time. And, you know, public thank you to Bloomsbury for bearing with me because I've been a nightmare, Tori. Absolute <laughs> nightmare to work with. I mean, Hannah Marston, who's, who's, you know, the editor for this book, she's been so patient with me, so patient with me. But I've got to get it done by next Wednesday. If I don't, it's not coming out. So <laughs> I better get a move on. One chapter to go. So you said that it's been split into the areas and you said one of them was behaviour. I had a little look on Amazon. It does say there are six areas, behaviour, assessment, school leadership, curriculum, pedagogy and continuing professional development. Mm -hmm. I mean, how did you bring everything down into those six areas? Right. Well, 
you know, exclusive for listeners, some of those areas may not feature quite as highly as we thought they would do at the time ah, of that. Um, nice exclusive. Because, yeah, because it's difficult. So, for example, on teaching and learning, it's very, very difficult to, you know, give the the best that's been thought and said, which is the, you know, the uh, rather presumptuous um, subtitle of the book. And I'm not trying to be, you know, <laughs> make it such a big thing as that. I'm not trying to be, uh, is it Arnold, isn't it, that quote? I'm not trying to, to kind of be in that level, but... It was difficult to put all of those things into one chapter about that because you could be teaching right across from EYFS up yeah. to Key Stage 5. It's very difficult to have all of that. But something like CPD, for example, was a little bit easier to do in the sense that I've spoken to a lot of people, like I said, Gusky, David Weston, we've spoken to quite heavily about CPD. We've spoken to Mary Meyer, lots of people who are doing lots of work on teacher development. So it was easier to get some common threads running through about mm. how you could structure CPD for yourself, CPD within a school, how you could revisit that, evaluate that, all of that kind of thing. So that was a little bit easier. Behaviour, it's always going to be contentious, Tori, isn't it? Talking about behaviour. But oh, there were some, some common themes running through there. Actually, like I said before, across what would be seen to be sort of opposing ideologies almost, there was a lot of commonality through some of those things. So I do a talk where I talk about, because um, I've spent time with, with Paul Dix, obviously, on as we both did, on Teacher Hug Radio, and he's absolutely superb. His episode is mm. still by far the most listened to, Nailers Natter, uh, and he did that a long, long time ago. It still gets listens every day. So you've got his his way of doing things, and you've got Tom Bennett's, which are quite often seen as, as polar opposites, but actually yeah. they're very, very similar in a lot of ways. So we, we were able to pull threads through that. But also I, I found, Tori, speaking to teachers about how you apply that was useful. So there's a lot of quotes from people who are classroom teachers, people who are heads of department, primary school secondary school so it was that was a little bit easier to kind of weave that through and also you know i did lean a little bit on my own experience and you know that's a luxury you've got haven't you when someone's giving you a book deal foolishly you can uh, weave your own um accumulated wisdom through the uh, conversations that you've had as well so those episodes were a little bit easier to kind of do and you know like i said before i really enjoyed kind of revisiting that for my own professional development as well and I really like what you say about those opposing views because often, and I don't know about you, but I find, especially on Twitter, there's one camp and there's another camp and you sit in one or you sit in the other, but you can't actually sit in both at the same time. But I think what you're saying about those opposing views and the fact that actually it's not black and white, it really isn't. Education isn't black and white. The, the, what we're dealing with within education isn't black and white. That's so important. Definitely. And, you know, I mean, it's not just in the behavior chapter, it's in other chapters mm. as well, where things that, you know, you, you might challenge, you know, the, the readers thinking a little bit because the podcast has done that with me. You know, I said at the start, we started as an evidence and research informed podcast. So naturally we gravitated towards people that were perhaps speaking at research head conferences, people that were working for research schools or were in that sort of movement. And yeah. that was great. And we got a lot from that, but then I felt as if, I was only sort of interviewing a particular um, section of a larger, wider education community. And, you know, that's where, where Teacher Hug Radio came in. I mean, think how welcomed we were, Toria, to Teacher Hug Radio and the community of yeah. people that were working there. And that opened my eyes to a whole different set of people. And, you know, I was picked up a couple of times, and rightly so, about the fact that I'm looking at particular sides of education and just speaking to people there. And I thought, we need to broaden, we need to diversify, we need to speak to to people across the education spectrum. So we did a thing where we opened it up to guest presenters. 
So when you go back and listen to those episodes, it won't be 152 episodes of me necessarily. There are a sizable number of episodes that Emma Turner did. Uh, Abby Bayford's done a lot of episodes for us as well. Some of my colleagues at South Shore, so Bernie Kay's done a few episodes with me as well. And I just think that they were able to then tap into different um, sections of the education community and and get different styles of interviews. And I've, I've loved listening to some of those. So if you look in the book, to bring it back to that, some of the interviews are that Abby's done, that Emma's done, and it, and it brings different things out of different you know, voices in education, obviously something that you know uh, all about and then kind of put that back in. I've been able to pick through their interviews and kind of look at the key themes there. So we've tried our very best to be, you know, as inclusive and diverse as we possibly can be across the education sector and speaking to lots of, of different educators in, in, in different countries and on all sorts of things. So hopefully we've tried to kind of bring that together, but also you know, leave a few questions at the end, which will challenge people's thinking. And hopefully we'll see some engagement with the book. Yeah. And I think that's so vital. It really is. You know, I'm an evidence lead educator for a research school down here. And I think, you know, one of my anxieties, I suppose, around the podcast was I would be speaking to people that weren't necessarily signing up to the same philosophy that I might have been, you know, um, training people on as, as an evidence lead educator, but actually it has opened my mind immensely, Phil, mm. to, uh, you know, to the fact that actually there is so much out there to learn and there is mm. so much out, you know, so many different ways out there to develop. And that's what I love about your book. The fact that you are, you're not just saying this, there is one way you're saying this, there, this is what we have learned by talking to all of these people. Definitely. And then that's the subtitle of the book, isn't it? You know, it, uh, subtitle of podcast as well. You know, we're just talking to teachers. And I know people are probably singing that in their heads as they're listening. Um, but, the, but that, that <laughs> yeah. is very now much... Now you've said is. that, that's going around my head. Yeah, it does with my... Can I tell you that story as well, Tori? Because that is do, a great story do, as well. Do, tell me, tell me that story. So, I mean, I've, I've got a writing credit for, for that jingle, which is ludicrous when you think that, you know, we just put down the words which are, you know, outdated now because the Twitter handle is wrong, for example, um, and the fact that we don't just talk about evidence and research and with continuing professional development. But the guy who did it for us, Tori, oh, unbelievable. So I, um, I used a website called Fiverr, which mm. was recommended to me to kind of go in. And people know that website, know that you know that website. And for some unknown reason, I ended up to link up with a guy who was, he was a country and Western singer over in America that was just dabbling into this new medium. So, I mean, when you listen to it, it was just, it came back to me. I just thought, wow. I mean, he has turned that into the earworm of all earworms that, you know, I get people singing it back to me all the time. I was on a, a Twitter space the other night and every time I pop into a Twitter space, you know, the presenter starts singing the theme tune back to me. So you just think, what an earworm. But that was just came out of nothing. I gave him a very small brief of, can you call it Nailers Natter just talking to teachers and here's the lines. And he came up with that. And I only paid, it's the best £17 story that I've ever spent. Seventeen oh my pounds. goodness! I love that story. I really do. And I saw. I funnily enough, the other night I saw when you tweeted about someone singing it and um, singing it when you entered that space, and I just thought that made me chuckle. It really did because it's but you know, it's yeah. great. Yeah, he's he's benefited obviously the uh, the artist a lot since then. So I went back to him and said, you know, I really appreciate an up to date version of this. And of course, he was polite, and you know, it's on a marketplace, so he's bound to be. But he sent me a thing back saying, yeah, that's fine. Uh, it'll be two hundred and seventy pounds. It's like, oh wow! Has, has, has he got wind of the uh, the earworm that, that he's produced here, or has he just become more <laughs> successful in Nashville? I don't know, but uh, 
yeah, we won't be updating that theme tune anytime soon if that's the going rate. So you've said that the book is out in July. Yep. Can we get, can we pre-book it? Can we, you know, et cetera? Can we get hold of, you know, what? I've lost my words. Does that ever happen to you on podcasts where you just can't think of the word you want? All the time, all the Good. time. And this, like I said at the beginning, it's a very strange experience being on the other side because I'm really having to, I'm thinking very carefully about what I'm saying, which I don't necessarily do when it's my own podcast. So I'm really kind don't of... Don't tell uh, people that. We're meant to sound like we really think lots. Well, I mean, but that isn't that the beauty of your podcast and hopefully what people are seeing in mind that we're teachers, Tori, aren't we? We're teachers yeah. talking to other teachers. We're not in some palatial studio with all the latest kit and people who've, you know, seen pictures of mine on Twitter. You know, I'm sat in Giles' bedroom. I'm not, you know, I'm not in some palatial luxury studio somewhere with all the kit. I am a regular teacher, you know, talking to other teachers about education. We, we haven't got the time necessarily uh, or the resource to sit there and make sure it sounds perfectly slick and, you know, cut out every erm and er and every single mistake because it's quite, hopefully it's quite organic. And again, that's what I like to listen to yours for. And I like to listen to a lot of education podcasts for, because I think, you know, there's something I can benefit from, from somebody who is doing the job. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think that's why I love educational podcasts. And I, I love le- listening to yours for the fact that I, I do learn so much from this myriad of educators you know it enables me as an educator who also has been in education for 21 years to keep learning because Mm. actually education is continually moving on I don't know about you Phil but when I think back to how when I entered education 21 years ago oh my goodness the way I taught then I think it would be frowned on now I really do Mm. and I look and I look and think wow we've had to move so far so fast that actually we can't stick to where we were we have to continue learning that's what we have to do as teachers if we're to benefit the young people completely well if you think Tori I mean obviously you know I've shared a couple of stories in the book about the early days of teaching but we didn't talk about education in education never mind outside of education you know the the idea of coming into the staff room and uh you know finding a seat which had to be a certain seat obviously you weren't allowed to sit in certain places in the staff room as a an NQT at the turn of you know sort of 2000 but Mm. there there wasn't discussions around pedagogy and practice and uh continuing professional development taking place in staff rooms were there you know, or I don't even think in the, it even in the took pub places. on a Friday. I don't think they were no. still doing it there. But I, I remember staff meetings back then. I, I um, thank yes, I, I th- I'm pretty sure that the head teacher of this this time has retired and gone. But there was one head teacher I had that used to just bring policies in staff meetings, and our staff meetings would just be spent going through policies and checking that the full stops, commas, and semicolons were in the right place. We yeah. didn't actually learn anything, except you know, we we did get better at punctuation. I think. But beyond that, there wasn't this this thing about continuing professional development. That was something that you happened when you went externally. You went and had it elsewhere. You didn't have it in school, and you definitely didn't talk about teaching in you know in, on a day to day basis with other colleagues in the way that we do today. Definitely not. And I mean, I spoke to Professor Michael Young, which was one of my favourite episodes. Tori, it really was, and it was an early one. So, I mean, mm. people may have read um, some of Professor Michael Young's work, um, and I know that I had as part of the, the research school, and then I got uh, a telephone call with him. And if people do listen back to that episode, it's one of the worst audio quality podcasts that must be out there, because this was uh, Michael Young on a landline, 
me on a mobile phone recorded into um into an iPad prior to anybody uh, actually telling me anything about how to record podcasts, which might come to <laughs> later. The generosity of the Twitter community who helped me with that. But he talked about this re-professionalization of teaching and this mm. idea that, you know, continuing professional development and improving at the job is a kind of an essential part of getting the best outcomes for the young people in front of us. And it just I remember feeling so proud, Tori, because obviously everyone's got huge respect for someone who's been doing it for as long as he has. But him to say, yes, great point, great point. I just thought, I thought I got a gold star or I was going to get a yeah. certificate on the fridge that Michael Young has made a good point. But you're right about, you know, that idea of continuing professional development in the early days and, and kind of joke about it in the book. You know, it was just somebody from the outside would come in and there's nothing wrong with external expertise, by the way. That's one of the key things mm. that you need in professional development. But it was someone coming from the outside on an inset day in August, who would, you know, start off with some kind of, and I hate these, icebreaker activity, you know, go and introduce yourself to three different people, you know, if you were an animal, what kind of animal would you be? Those kind of things. And and mm-hmm. I thought, well, this has got really not much to do with improving my practice in the classroom. No. So, you know, the, the leaps and bounds we've made, and I speak to younger colleagues now, and, and they're excited, and they're enthused by, you know, the new courses that are coming out. So we mentioned off air about the, uh, the sort of MPQs that are coming out, the early careers mm. framework, this idea that, you know, teaching is a job that you can get better at over time. You can help other people to get better at. There are lots of career paths through teaching, you know, and there's lots of career paths now, hopefully, that get you into leadership and management, but keep you in the classroom, doing the core business. And there's opportunities to work, you know, cross trust, cross phases, cross organisations as well. And, you know, we, we talked about research head before and other, obviously, movements are available but this idea that people are paying their own money to go and listen to other people speak on a Saturday to improve their practice on Monday morning is really, really powerful for, for the profession as well. So there's a really positive, you know, sort of feel about education at the minute as well. And I know you spoke about it on a podcast last week, didn't you, about sort of edu Twitter and the, and the positivity and the people and networks that you've made through yeah. kind of engaging with that. I think... What I realised when I got into Twitter properly and I created the whole Tiny Voice Talks hashtag was actually there's a whole community on there that want to learn from others. And that was powerful. It was like, actually, we want to be outward looking. We want to be learning what's going on in other schools so that we can improve what we're doing in ours, as opposed to being inward looking and going, yeah, we've we've got it fixed. And I think for a while there in education, we were much more inward looking and we were much more, yeah, this is what we do and it's fine and we're not moving and this is how we do it. And I think the whole movement now into research evidence-based practice, you know, again, like if you'd have spoken to me 21 years ago about research and evidence-based practice, fundamentally, it didn't really exist or it didn't in my world. I don't know if it did in yours. No, it absolutely didn't. And I mean, this is the thing about sort of the podcast and the book as well. You think, well, we're engaging with evidence, we're engaging with research, we're becoming that kind of profession as well. But having spoken to such a, a range of people, it's not all just around those kind of things. And I know that, you know, you can kind of get bogged down in that. Can I give you one of my favourite episodes, Tori? Am I allowed to give you one? Yes. And we've used him in school. So Action Jackson. Let's talk oh, about yes. uh, Action. I mean, you know, somebody like that necessarily wouldn't, um, how can I put this? maybe fit into some of the education sort of evidence and research based and he may well do so apologies action if i'm uh, doing you a disservice there but i'll tell you what the difference and the change that he made to students in our school around about this time last year when he came in was unbelievable 
Yeah. And having the opportunity to speak to him around motivation, around, you know, we, this, this still, some of our students still sing the songs that he was singing in there. So I think it's really good that we're moving that way as a profession, but there are room for so many different things that work for your students in your context, in your area, that hopefully, you know, listening to your podcast, other people's podcasts, hopefully Neil as Natter as well, you're getting that broad range of people that you might just get that one nugget that you think right that's going to be really useful for us to take away and use you know hopefully in our context and action certainly did that for us last year it really did Mm. now back to the book because Mm -hmm. fundamentally we are talking a lot about the book and I want to focus on it um what I love about the book because there are so many education books out there at the moment but what I really like about the book is the fact that you have taken the voices of so many people who have written their own books and popped them, their views into this book. So actually, for someone that wants to get a broad spectrum of opinions, it's a really useful book. Yeah, definitely. And that, that was the reason for doing it, Toria, in the first place. So when I had the preliminary discussions about, and I wasn't particularly chasing um, writing mm. a book, you know, they say that everyone's got a book in them. I'm not sure that I did um, in terms of, <laughs> you know, in terms of having my own experience. And I wouldn't, I don't think I would be able to write something just from my own perspective, because I wouldn't think it would be mm. hugely of value to people. But when I started thinking about, right, well, what can we do with the kind of the, the, the canon, the back catalogue of Nailers Natter, rather than it just kind of sit there, um, you know, online with people to dip in and out of. I thought, well, let's have a look. Can we distill? And that's why I said about the Arnold quote before, you know, the best that has been thought and said, and I'm not, and that sounds really sort of arrogant, doesn't it? Oh, the Nailers Natter contains the best that has been thought and said. It's not me, listener. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the people that have been on. But when you start to bring it together, you think, right, well, actually, there's a lot of collective wisdom here that we can distill and we can put out and also you know Hannah the editor was really good about saying right how can you make sure there are takeaways for people that want to look at the book so there's lots of different ways you can use yeah. the book you know if you've got a new position working within the pastoral side of things you can look at that pastoral chapter read you know essentially four or five people's work and more have a few action points that you can take away and hopefully you can go and use that in your school straight away you know if you're interested in the evidence-based movement in CPD you can dip into that chapter and say, right, I'm looking to structure a CPD curriculum for a primary school. Here's a few leading voices on what kind of things that they've been done in their schools. Here's some takeaways of things you can do. Oh, and PS, here's the episode with a QR code that you can listen to on your commute to school. So that was kind of the start of it. And, you know, the editors were, were great at thinking, well, hopefully that's a little bit different. And, you know, I'm, I'm not knocking what's out there at the moment. There's some superb books and I read them. I read them weekly. It's one of my... Uh, one of my sort of new year's resolutions again to get back to reading a lot and i i mean like you tori i I read a lot and i read it through Mm -hmm. choice you know we talked off air again and you know about you know do you have sponsorship for the podcast are people you know we don't we don't i you know i get books that i'm interested in and i speak to authors that i think might benefit me and then hopefully will benefit the listener as well yeah Yeah, so that's what we've done we've kind of pulled all that together and said right here's five six seven people's work that's got some common themes running through. Here's some things that hopefully you can take away and use. And here's a signpost to the episode that you can listen to. And hopefully, you know, I I would hope that maybe people would share this in, you know, CPD sessions, book clubs after school, whatever it would be, and say, right, here's 
some a starting point for us and we've done it Tori. you know we've done it with yours and we've done it with various other podcasts i mean i'll, I'll give a shout out to to darren at becoming educated you know we've we've used darren's a lot mm. around his conversation with doug lamov literally last week to formulate some of our teaching and learning um, work that we're going to do moving forward so hopefully it's a book that people can use flick through and kind of say right this is going to be useful for, for me in my school yeah and what I like about what you said there is it, it's it sort of signposts people to various different educators thinking and work and then they can go off and they can listen to them on your podcast they can read more of their books etc but I also really like the idea of using your book in a book club because it is the sort of book <clears throat> because there are so many views in there that you could have a really good discussion about for example around behavior those sort of different sides around behavior having a really good discussion in the book club about well where do we sit what do we think which side are we on or are we on both sides yeah definitely and and, and you're right i think that's where most schools are tori aren't they yeah you know most I think schools they are. are you know and this is what we talked about again sort of previously that you know, I do a podcast, I do a lot of speaking at different conferences, I've now written a book, but is my podcast or my book or, or the work that we're doing, is that transferring to the classroom teachers in my school? And, and if hand on heart, I'm honest, I'm not sure that it is. You know, I, I'm not sure that, um, yeah. and not, you know, not saying that they should spend the weekends listening to me. I mean, it's probably bad enough for them listening to me during the week. But, <laughs> you know, this idea that trying to get that kind of work through um, education is, is quite tricky so something like a book club we, we've experimented with book clubs and they usually start pretty well and you get lots of enthusiastic people coming to them and then it gets difficult when it gets more it's busier and there's parents evening and all these kind of things but hopefully with this book what you can do is dip in and out but you can also say well if you can't necessarily read everything before next week you can just flick the podcast on have a little listen and it will generate a discussion and it'll get people thinking about that and it's quite hopefully quite interactive because like you said before about you know, me going back through the transcripts, I found that powerful to kind of, mm. you know, revisit podcasts because they can be quite transient, can't they? You know, you listen to them, it's gone, you leave it alone. Whereas a book, you might keep coming back to revisiting and hopefully applying and using. Yeah, absolutely. So football, I'm, <laughs> I've written it, I've written it in big letters across my book. I want to know about football now, Phil. What, right. What, well, so you've you've re-entered the world of football. I have. Uh, I have. So, I mean, people will be tired of me saying it, Tori, and you know, people will be switching off. You know, when you do like look at the episode at the end and see whether people listen to the full thing, they probably won't <laughs> listen to this part. But I think that I think it helped in a way. So, I mean, I know Doug Lamar's written about this about sports coaching and the, and the transfer between sports coaching and teaching. So, you know, when I finished at university, I mean, I had, a, I've got a biology degree because my dad was brilliant with that sort of thing. It was make sure you do proper qualifications, make sure you get yourself a proper degree. So I had a biology degree, so it was always going to be in the back pocket and hopefully useful, but I had this ridiculous ambition about football and Tori, you know, people have got hard luck stories, haven't they, about football? Oh, I would have been a top level footballer if I hadn't, um, mm. you know, had an Achilles injury or I could have played in the Premier League if I didn't have bad knees. You know, I could have played in League One if I'd have been any good, but I wasn't any good. So I couldn't, and I've not had any excuse about that, but I thought, well, I'm interested in sort of coaching and player development and that sort of thing. And it was one of the best places to work. And I've, I've mentioned it in the CPD chapter, we're bringing it back to the book. In the CPD chapter, I've talked about the culture in academy football uh, in a contrast, I suppose, to football at the time. So I, sorry, to teaching at the time. So I was in a dressing room with a lot of experienced coaches 
and you think you're going to have, you know, sort of a, a culture in there of just, you know, let's go and play football, run around the field. But it was really a powerful learning place. So the youth team coaches at the time, I'm not sure if I can actually mention them, but I will anyway. You can always cut it, can't you? So Rob Kelly, who's the assistant manager at Wigan Athletic at the moment, mm-hmm. was just brilliant on professional development. He had a book club in the dressing room. So he'd bring in a biography oh. of a basketball coach and he'd yeah. say, right, you know, I was a young coach at the time, 21, 22. You know, share that with me. Right, read that, bring that back next week. Right, and we were sharing books, right? And we were mm. all reading really, really widely in that. So I found football as a really kind of ahead of its time in terms of professional development, professional learning, coaching. And also with football, you see the results of your continuing professional development on a weekly basis, don't you? You can see that for the performances of players on the pitch. So I did football full-time for a couple of years. And when I say full-time, I don't mean like I was in the dugout at Manchester United. I was working in academy football. Um, and it was the time of sort of Blair government and, you know, those who can teach, etc. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, you know, I can have a go. It's got the biology degree. Um, I didn't necessarily want to teach PE. Um, I just wasn't, I was good at one or two sports, but wasn't good enough across the board. And I know PE teachers listening, how demanding it is to be good across them all. So I thought, well, I'll use the uh, the biology degree to do that. So I went back into teaching. So I went into teaching alongside football for a long time. I did sort of 10, 12 years of teaching alongside being, you know, at points in charge of, um, you know, whole areas of uh, sort of youth development at, at various football clubs. So Blackburn, Burnley, Wigan. Then I've, I've got children. So I've got child two is currently sat facing me, by the way, Tori here. I she's love that. She's sat looking at me now and now. So when I, when children came along, I kind of stepped back and mm. just concentrated on the teaching. But I've got an A-licensed coach in coaching. I never mention oh, it, Tori, wow. every single week on the podcast, every single week. So I did my A-license with people like Roy Keane, who was on mm-hmm. the uh, A-license uh, at the same time as me. So, you know, it cost me a lot of money and spent a lot of time to, to sit dusty there. So I've kept up the CPD. Again, bring it back to the book. I've done the regular courses that the FA put on. So I've kept current. And I'm, I'm back in football, but only scouting, Tori, now. So I'm doing a little bit of scouting. Um, for, oh, I can, I can mention it, can't I, because it's official. So I'm doing a bit of scouting yeah. for Wigan Athletic at the weekend. So me and Child One can be out and about watching a bit of football and hopefully helping uh, people in terms of professional development for them, coaches, scouts. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of crossover, isn't there? I love that. I really do. And I love that it's sort of gone full circle and, and that actually you're you know you've you've held on to that you know qualification all that time and you've kept the CPD up and as you say CPD so powerful really important and also you know going back to those books learning you know it's so important to continually learn and continually refresh what we think we need yeah and it's I mean it might be surprised to listeners to think that that you know, at that time, I know that obviously in sport now, there's a lot of professional development, but the culture was so good at, at Blackburn Rose mm. at that time. It was, you know, imagine that you're, you're 22, 23, you're coming into a football dressing room with all these experienced people and, and you're just in awe, aren't you, of, of what kind of things that they're doing. But they were so into professional learning. And like I said, books, videos, watch. And I know from listening to to, to players at the, in the first team at the moment where he's working, he's still doing that now developing players you know holistically not just what they're doing on the on the pitch but as as people preparing them for what they're going to do later on so you know he won't be listening and uh, he probably won't even remember me but big shout out to rob kelly if he is (laughs) so before we finish i just want i've now thought of my the word that i'd forgotten earlier which is pre-order 
Mm-hmm. Can we pre-order the book? That's very critical, based on the fact that you will have finished it and it will be out in July. Uh, well, I absolutely will have finished it. As I said Good. to you before, I've got I've got three days of uh, blocked time. So I did a lot of it during two bouts of COVID, as, uh, as the editor knows. So... Yeah, if I'm locked in a bedroom for three days, it will be finished. And I've got a very good idea of how I'm going to finish it off. So it will be done. It's available to pre-order now. You can get it on Amazon for a a July the 7th release, which is absolutely going to happen now. So yeah, if you're interested, get over to Amazon. Just type in Nailers Natter and it will pop up and you can pre-order it. Fantastic. Now, my final question that I ask everyone, as you know, is if you could have been taught by anyone, living, dead or inanimate, who would have been your perfect teacher? Right. So because obviously I listen on a weekly basis, Tori, and I've seen all sorts of different answers to this. <laughs> I've seen current teachers or, you know, you know, experienced philosophers and things like that. But I'm going to go for a, a bit of an, a bit of a left field choice here. So I'm going to go for Dave Brailsford. You're Ooh. aware of the work of, of Dave Brailsford in terms of the work with the British cycling team. Mm-hmm. I'm not particularly into cycling, but if I'm going to learn from somebody you know, the reason I'm going to mention him is I don't need some necessarily, and everyone's different, dynamic, larger than life, sort of dead poet society, Robin Williams style of teacher, who's going to motivate, inspire and enthuse me because I like to think I'm reasonably self-motivated. And mm-hmm. the number of the number of things that I've done uh, was just that some with, I'm not saying they've all been good, you know, some with mixed, <laughs> mixed success, but I'd be fairly self-motivated, but this idea of marginal gains, of small improvements, of tweaking things and repeating things day in, day out. I've mentioned that child two sat across from me now. You know, the, 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 my kids just get so fed up of the routine <laughs> and the kind of relentless uh, approach to doing certain things. So any marginal gain, small improvement that we can look for with a, you know, a process driven approach. Forget about these big goals and these big successes and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that concentrate on the process concentrate on getting better in small increments on a daily basis and i think that the insight from dave brailsford would be really really useful on that so i think there's been a recent couple of recent podcasts with him on that um i forget which one it is i think it's diary of a ceo i think is the podcast that uh, he's been on recently which is really really good so anyone who's looking at other podcasts have a listen to that one just that idea of marginal gains over time leading to small improvements at being better at whatever field you're trying to get better at sounds sounds great i should be listening to that one without a doubt thank you so much phil for coming on tiny voice talks it's been absolutely brilliant and i will make sure for the listeners that i put on all the details all the links the books etc and a link of course to nailers natter so thank you so much phil and i just hope that you have a great rest of your day Thank you so much, Tori, for asking. And uh, I look forward to listening to your uh, future episodes. Thank you so much. 